Hey, friends. Good morning. It's good to see you. I am Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in our third week of our series called Grow. And this series highlights practices that have helped our staff follow Jesus and keep growing for the long haul. I've really enjoyed it so far. Last week, Don Weber, he shared about prayer, which is a huge topic and is very close to my heart. And he did an awesome job. Don shared a little bit about his family, and he told us how important prayer has been in his life in some specific ways. And he also gave us a simple definition of prayer. I don't know if you remember it. I will give it to you again. Prayer is conversation with God. And this week, I get to share about worship, which is another huge topic, and it's very close to my heart as well. And I'm going to share a little bit about my family and about how important worship has been in my life. I even have a simple definition of worship for you later on. I'm a pastor's kid, and I grew up in the church, that means. And I was expected to be at church every single week unless I was sick, okay? Uh, Sometimes I would come in with my mom for the second service, so that kind of cut things down a little bit. Uh, but we always seemed to be the last people there at church. I, I played with a lot of matchbox cars and ran around in church buildings a lot. When it was finally time to go home from church, my brother and I would get to choose if we wanted to drive home with my dad or with my mom because they would take separate cars. And when I would choose to drive home with my dad, this is kind of how it would go. Those two miles home would be kind of like a fair ride. He would careen around. He would drive right up behind parked cars as close as possible and swerve out. And um, it, it looked, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, yelling and woo and screaming and things like that. He would, you know, kind of try to freak me out, but it was fun for everybody. The big ending was when we would come down our street we get about halfway down the block, and he would hit the garage door, and then he would attempt to see how close he could get to hitting the garage door, uh, the bottom of the garage door, so we came in to the garage, like really fast. Um, I kind of think, as I look back, he thought we were at church a long time, too. <laughs> at that time, uh, my dad was a pastor in the United Methodist Church. And I enjoyed singing the hymns with the pipe organ. We had a choir and things like that. And the pipe organ was my dad's favorite instrument. And when I stayed for the whole service with the adults every once in a while, I recall doing a lot of coloring. But I was also listening. I was listening to the messages a lot. I have heard lots and lots and lots of sermons in my life. By the time I was in middle school, my parents had started a small, non-denominational church, and that church soon became the first vineyard church in Minnesota. And in the vineyard, I saw people worshiping very differently than in the church I was in before. Some people would raise their hands. I hadn't seen that before. Uh, Some would kneel sometimes, like right as the music was playing. Some people would go uh, to the side or the back, and they would uh, dance. And the music at the vineyard was dramatically different as well. So instead of pipe organs and choirs and stuff, um, we had like songs that were simpler than the hymns. Um, And I did notice in this particular church body that the difference for me was that there seemed to be more intimacy 
and more passion and generally just more emotion in the times of worship, as people sang. Uh, most in the room, as I look back at it, were, were not just singing a song, you know? I love the beauty of the hymns, but my experience up until then was like, read the words and, you know, follow along. It's kind of, you know, that can happen here too, right? But I noticed that there was a difference as I saw people interact around it. Uh, people seem to have expectation and emotion and an actual experience with God that was different to me. They showed me, those people did, that it was possible to have something different in a worship gathering. I'm grateful to have had that opportunity to see those people. And then, since then, as I grew in worship, having over and over again deep and powerful experiences with God in worship. Not every single time, of course, but a whole lot of times. I have a little bit of a ring, I think. So I also noticed that the songs and the style of the vineyard were a little bit different, too. It was the first time I saw instruments that... Um, were like guitars and drums and keyboards, you know, bass and things like that being used on a Sunday morning. And it was the first time I also was aware that I was singing songs that had been written very recently, you know, like in the last year or two. Um, we were singing songs that were from, you know, writers that were alive like right then. So if I hadn't been introduced to these things as a middle schooler, I probably wouldn't be a worship leader today, at least not here doing this kind of thing. My greatest joy in my life, I think, and my favorite thing is to be a part of seeing people experience God. It makes me very, very happy and gives me a lot of joy when I'm aware that I'm doing something that's creative and it is helping people know God and experience and have a relationship with God better. About 15 years ago, my dad died of cancer. My mom and I had the difficult gift, and I would call it both difficult and a gift, of being there with him in the moment that he passed on to the next life to be with Jesus. It had been awful to see him suffering. It just really sucked. In his last weeks and days, he was in such pain, and the cancer had made its way into his lungs, and so his coughing got worse and worse and worse, and his ability to talk got less and less and less. Eventually, he could only whisper like a few words. And then he could say nothing at all. In his last moments, my mom was praying the like, Bible verses over him. And there I was singing worship songs with my guitar. And I can still remember playing the guitar and singing. And the only rhythmic thing that was happening was hearing the oxygen machine that he was connected to going off. You know, longer wait and longer wait and longer wait, and you never knew when the last one was or whether that was it, right? And I think it was a great gift and a kindness of God that as I was sitting on the end of the bed, at one moment I had this sensation of like something coming through the room and like, and I actually physically lurched forward and 
um, I realized about two minutes later when there was no more oxygen machine that ever went off that I had felt something come right through the room at his last breath. The Lord had come to take him home. Now, I was thinking about growing in worship for the long haul this week, of course, and a particular time a few weeks before that stuck out to me, and it was me and my dad. There wasn't anybody else there for this, and I was sitting at the foot of his bed playing guitar and doing worship. It was one of his favorite things was to hear me uh, play worship and lead worship. Um, he could still talk a little bit at that point, but he couldn't sing anymore. I remember our last conversation was like, just like a very short whispered conversation. Um, so it was just my voice, and I was, you know, doing, doing the song that I was doing, and I remember looking up, and my dad was laying in his bed, and I could see that his eyes were closed, and I could see his arms raising up and waving in front of him. My dad couldn't stand up, and he couldn't sing anymore. He was in pain, and he was dying sooner than any of us wanted. But he never stopped worshiping his whole life. He had somehow become a lifelong worshiper. And that's a desire that I have for myself. And that's a desire that I have for every single one of us here in this room today. Can we just pray that God would help us? God, I think you want us to be lifelong worshipers. I think it's good for us, and it would be wonderful. And so I ask God that for each of us, you know exactly where we are, that you'd give us something that's good and helpful and of you uh, to help us forward. And we trust you for it. In your name, amen. Thanks for praying with me. Now, when I first visited River Heights Vineyard 23 years ago, 23 years ago, I was a young worship leader. I quickly became a volunteer worship leader here, and then I became volunteer worship pastor. And I, you know, fast forward to today, and I'm a far less young worship leader, and I'm also more experienced with it. During my leadership journey, there was something that bothered me. I realized that I had experiences with God, and I felt like I could look at um, and recognize worship, and I knew what it felt like for me, and I realized that I was pretty good at leading worship, but I was not very good at explaining what worship was or why it was important, you know, the bigger picture part of it. So 15 years ago, I began the process of getting my master's degree in ministry and spiritual formation, and this program had a focus on worship studies which was very appealing to me. I thought, this is my likely to get me what I'm looking for. So my master's program was in Canada, and schools are just beginning to figure out how to do at-a-distance learning at that point. And so how they had it set up was like, they'd give us all our assignments and reading, and we'd have six months to just like do it all, and we were trusted to show up with everything done in Canada. Um, you know, every six months. And then we would do our class period stuff for 10 days straight. It was like classroom, classroom, right? You know, and then we'd hang out for the weekend and we'd do it again. And then I would come back. So I would, you know, they'd drive me back over the border. We were in New Brunswick. So they'd drive me back over the border to Maine. And then I would take the plane flight back. And I was working half time at a hospital at that point, And I was half time 
paid here at church to be worship pastor. And so it was really interesting to try to figure out. I basically used all my vacation stuff at, at the hospital and my vacation weeks away from church to make the whole thing happen for three years. And it was a lot of juggling, but it was totally worth it. Uh, I still know some of those people, and one of my professors has become a very, very dear friend, and I did get what I was looking for out of it. Totally worth it. So the good news today is that I have a much better understanding of what worship is, how to talk about it, and why it's important. And then the bad news today is that we have, what, how many minutes? Right? Um, So I am going to do the best I can with a huge topic. So I want us to picture today's message like this, like a funnel. You know what a funnel is, right? So I have two big ideas for us, the big wide ones, and then hopefully we're going to be able to land this in three smaller ones that uh, we can focus on, three little things that we can do to help us grow in being lifelong worshipers, okay? Big idea one, this is the top of the funnel. You are always worshiping. Did you know that? Worship has so many facets. In the biblical sense, worship can mean a few different things. It can mean to offer, to present, to bring, as in bringing a sacrifice, right? It can also mean to praise, approve of, or show devotion to. So all of these facets in different ways are, you know, present when the Bible is talking about worship. We humans are built for worship. We do it as automatically as we breathe. Have you been aware consciously that you have been breathing all morning and were just breathing right before I told you to think about it? You probably were not fully aware of it, right? And the same thing is happening with worship. You probably were not consciously aware that you were worshiping this whole morning and your whole life up until this point, until I said, hey, I bet you you are worshiping all the time, even right now. In this moment, I'm just going to give you an example of this particular morning. You are devoting and sacrificing for something. Now, probably a number of things in your life, but right now, you are here on a Sunday morning. You were devoted enough to get here. Congratulations. That was great. And you sacrificed in some ways to get here. It takes time, and it takes effort to get here, doesn't it? Now, some of us have to take a bus. Some of us have to chase a bunch of kids down and stuff food in them and then stuff them in clothes and then stuff them in a car and then get them here, right? Some of us have a hard, hard time getting up in the morning, and it's actually a sacrifice to get up earlier than you'd like to be here, right? I am not the best morning person. It is a little bit of a sacrifice for me. So if you think about your life outside of here, the same is true. Like, what's happening outside of this building in your life? I'm sure there are things you're devoted to and sacrificing for in your life. When we look at life this way, everything we do is an expression of our worship. The choices we make with our relationships, our jobs, our hobbies, even like our addictions, what we do with our free time, those are all expressions of where our worship is going. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, had an interesting saying, and it only makes sense when you realize that we're always worshiping. This is what he had to say. He said, show me where you spend your time, 
money, and energy, and I'll tell you what you worship. Now, that might be a little bit oversimplified, but it is worth paying attention to how we do and don't spend our time and money and energy, right? It probably tells us something or a lot about worship for us in our lives. So here's, here's just a question to think about. You might have already been thinking about that as I was talking about it, but here is the question. How do you or don't you spend your time, money, and energy? You might be super happy with what you're thinking about right now. You might be a little more challenged. It's all good. It's, you know, this is just something so you can take note of where you're at and how you feel about it. The question related to that that comes after is, why is it? Why is it that you spend your time and money and energy on those things in that way? The Apostle Paul knew that we were built for worship. He had an amazing encouragement for us in the book of Romans. It's chapter 12. Verse 1 starts with, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how God's will for you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul is saying worshiping God is to give our whole selves, our whole lives to him and to have that be the organizing principle in our lives with what else, we know whatever else we do. He's saying that if we do that, God will accept us just as, as we are. That's great news. And God has the power to change us where we need changing. That's great news. God has love and power that can change even the way we think. If you've been following Jesus for a while, do you think differently about some things than you did before? I do. God's been able to do that for me. God is also able, it says, to help us know his will for us, which is extremely comforting to me. And the plans God has for each of us are, did you catch it at the end, good and pleasing, and God's plan for you is perfect for you. We all get those promises when we worship God and give him ourselves, our whole lives. That's the way that that promise works. So here is the simple definition of worship that I promised you. Worship is giving to God. I don't know if you noticed it at the very beginning of the passage that we just read, but Paul's encouragement in chapter 12 started with an and so, okay? Sort of like a therefore. And so when you're reading your Bible, it's good to think about what came before that because he's actually making a point based upon something that he just said before, okay? So just before that passage, Paul has said this. This is 11:33 through 36. Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. 
all glory to him forever. So in other words, all that exists, including us in this entire world, Scripture would actually tell us that Christ holds all things together in some mysterious way. God is holding all of creation together. It's been created through Christ. So we, in some way, are connected to God's sustaining power. It's the reason we're able to be here and be breathing. And all that exists is designed to be a shining example of God's creativity, his goodness, and his love. And so all that you and I have, every good thing in our lives, every good thing about us, every good thing about you, is linked to God's generosity. And so, Paul says, or therefore, in light of that, give yourself to God. Give yourself back to God. If I was going to make this definition just a little more complicated, if you give me one more word, I would add the word back. So, worship is giving back to God. You might ask, though, what about the stuff that is not good? The stuff that is broken, the stuff that's evil. I mean, sometimes I look at my life and what things I've done, and I have done things that were like flat-out evil. Like, I knew what I was doing. I knew that it was destructive. I knew that it was breaking somebody down or something down, and I did it anyway, right? What about those things? This brings us the big idea, too. There is a war for your worship. At the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we are told that humanity, with Adam and Eve as our representatives, has a beautiful give-and-take relationship with God. They walk around and they talk to God, and God entrusts all of God's creation to them. The one thing that God commands is that they don't eat the fruit from one particular tree. That's it, because it will kill them. They will stop being immortal. They will become mortal. It will kill them. Then the war for their worship starts. It starts with a, a choice that they have before them, doesn't it? God doesn't make them do anything. God's enemy, Satan, shows up in the form of a snake and he lies to them. Satan tells them the fruit is good for them and they won't die if they eat it. It'll actually make things better for them. In other words, Satan is saying, God's will for you is not good. It's not pleasing. It's not perfect for you. Do not turn to God. Instead, listen to me. Turn away from God. Do your will for your life. It will be better for you. So the question is whether humanity is going to trust and give themselves to God or whether they will trust Satan and the lie instead. Can you see that this is actually a question about worship? Who and what will humanity give itself to? That's the question, right? If you've read your Bible or heard some Bible stories, you know what happened. Adam and Eve believed the lie. They turned their worship away from God. They ate the fruit, the one thing that was going to kill them. It was not good for them. It infected their relationship with God, each other, all of creation. And then every human that came after them showed up infected as well. 
Do you remember the first sin that you committed? I do not. Did, did, I, did it seem like I had really thought it out and had all the information that I needed before I made that choice? No, because why? Evil is not fair. Evil does not care, right? We end up in that situation right at the very beginning, all of us. And ever since, God has been pursuing humanity to free us and bring our lives back into relationship with God and to reorient our lives toward worship of God to get the good and pleasing and perfect for us stuff. The same war is still going on for your worship today. It's every single day. You might be more aware of it some days than others, right? Jesus is the one battling for your good. That's why he came. Now in John 10, 10 through 11, Jesus is talking directly about Satan when he says the thief. He talks about Satan in this verse as the thief. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about the sacrifice of his life for us on the cross. He gave his whole self to make God's perfect will possible for us. So in that light, Jesus actually dying on a cross, you can say a lot of things about what the cross means, and it's a very, you know, there's rich things in this. But one way you can look at this is Jesus on the cross is actually a sacrifice of worship to God. He's come to do the will of the Father. And so this is why I'm not inviting us to do big, huge things today because um, we don't have anywhere near as much work to do as Jesus did. I'm going to invite us to do uh, three little things today, okay? They can all be done on a Sunday morning, believe it or not. So little thing one, worship takes a little work. I am specifically not saying that we need to necessarily just like try harder or that anything we do is meant to get God to love us more because God loves you fully, 100%, unendingly as you are right now. You don't have to do anything else to have God love you 100%. The way that it's described in the Bible, I think, is helpful to us. Romans 8, 29 through 31 uh, just talks about God's, what God has done for us. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that the son would become the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Are you looking for everything else? It's found in God. God has done the work of knowing you, calling you, putting you in right standing with him through what Jesus has done. You're already forgiven. You just need to accept it and receive it. And God has even given you glory. He promises 
everything you need to live a life full of worship. And so the work we do is just in response to the work that God has already done and is doing for us. Growing up in the Methodist church, if somebody asked, are you going to worship on Sunday? They were probably asking if I was going to the gathering, the whole thing, right? The Sunday morning event. Are you going to worship this morning? It's also called the worship service. Do you know why it's called a worship service? It's because it's designed to serve you. It's designed to help you worship God in as many ways as possible in the short period of time that we gather together. There's a church term, it's liturgy, and in Greek it means work for the people, the work for the people. Liturgy is the work of designing and doing the worship service for you. Here's how ours is designed. I don't know if you've thought about this lately. We gather together to be reminded that God has given us a spiritual family. We are not alone. You're welcomed, hopefully, as you come in the door. I know that I am. As a reminder that God loves you, welcomes you as you are, and wants to serve you today. We sing songs together because it's just one of the more enjoyable ways we can express worship together as a group. We have communion as a way to remember that Jesus has died for us and offered himself for us. And in taking the elements, we have a chance to be reminded that we are accepting Jesus' sacrifice for us and calling him Lord. We take an offering, which helps us grow in generosity, knowing that uh, as we give a portion of what God has given to us back to him, we're saying, I'm putting you first, God. I'm giving you the first part of what I have, and I am actively trusting you to take care of me and to get your work done through your people as a little thing, the little thing that I'm contributing to. That's what it's for. We do announcements so that you can hear something that you might want to participate in and be a part of what God's doing here. We hear a message that hopefully connects you more to God. And then we have at the end, which we will today have an opportunity to take our needs to God in prayer as we sing together, okay? So staff, leaders, and volunteers do that good work every week to help us all worship God. And I was just thinking about, you know, in the announcements today, you know, the need for more people serving our kids. That is good work. Everything that every volunteer is doing here is good work and is directly connected, whether we're thinking about it or not, to worship and the heart of God for us as God's people together. So what's your work, your little work? If you're not serving on a team that, you know, this particular week, your work is to get here and offer yourself to God. Now, in our kind of church, when somebody says, they loved worship today. If somebody tells me, I loved worship today, what are they talking about? They're talking about the music, right? I'm like, I really love the music today. Now, although music is not, hopefully it's clear to you, music is not the only way to worship God, it is something Christians have done for centuries together. And it has been especially central in the vineyard movement, and that goes for this church as well. Worship with music is something that we can all do together. It's normally generally enjoyable, right? 
You don't have to be a great singer to sing along and to sing to God together, right? It involves our hearts, our minds, our voices, our bodies, and creativity all at once. And so here's my encouragement as your worship pastor, if you have ears to hear it this morning. As you sing, be aware that it is not entertainment. The band is playing to serve you, but the band isn't saying, I'm singing for you, I'm singing to you, any more than you are coming thinking that you're singing for me as I'm worshiping, right, as I'm leading the worship. We encourage each other as we sing, I love hearing you sing, right? The music isn't entertainment, it's to serve you, but who is the worship for? The worship is for God and God alone. Sometimes we can forget that. I think there's a lot of grace for us, you know? Sometimes the worship team gets a little stressed out. We want to do a real good job, right? We can have those moments of like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this for these people. I hope they like it, right? We can totally forget that the worship is for God, right? I think that God has enough space to give us a little bit of forgiveness, right? But this is, this is a moment to be reminded the worship is for God and God alone. It's to be done together. So the service is for you, but the worship is for God. So when the worship leader invites you to stand as you're able, as we say, uh, think about offering your body to God as you stand. Consider what you do with your body, whether that's standing or sitting or kneeling or raising your hands or bowing or dancing uh, as a physical expression of worship to God, right? You can do a whole lot of things on the outside that look fine, but really, when it comes down to it, it's really just what's in here, right? I, you know, you could be sitting and look like you're doing nothing, but you could be deeply in worship. I'm totally aware of that, okay? And then the words of the songs are more likely to stick with you. As much as I'd love you to remember this message for the rest of your life, the words of the songs are probably more likely to stick with you. So use those words. They are chosen specifically to help encourage and direct you and stay with you help serve you in your following of Jesus. So worship requires a little work, and our next two invitations are much shorter. So here's the second thing we can do. Second little thing. Worship takes a little will. Just before Jesus began his public ministry, the Holy Spirit led him out into the desert, we're told. He's out there for 40 days. And Satan shows up and tempts him. Sounds a little bit like Genesis, doesn't it? One of those temptations was specifically aimed at Jesus' worship. Luke 4, 5 through 8 says this, Then the devil took him, this is Jesus, up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they're mine to give to anyone I please. And notice that Jesus doesn't disagree with that. They are his to give to anyone he pleases. I will give it all to you if you will. Worship me, if you'll give yourself to me. Turn your worship away from God. Worship me instead. And then Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. If you go towards the end of Jesus' life on earth, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and three times he goes off, 
and he's praying before he goes to the cross. And he's asking God, I don't know if you know this, but he's asking God, is there any other way that we can do this without me going to the cross? This is horrible, right? He goes three times. And eventually, he says, not my will, Father, but yours be done. That is an act of will. So the temptations Jesus withstood took more will than I will ever have. Took more will than Adam and Eve had. Jesus has done the stuff that is the big will, takes the big effort. And in comparison, our worship requires a little will. So in this life, we have extremely hard and sad things that happen to us, right? On the regular. One of the things they tempt us to do and what the enemy would like to say to us in that moment is, stop worshiping God, right? We get angry or something, and we think this doesn't work or whatever, and we're tempted to turn away and give our worship to something else. Now, we also have awesome things, hopefully a whole lot of awesome things that are happening in our lives on the regular, right? Those can also actually distract us from God sometimes. Do you ever cruise so well that you just kind of forget what, what helped you get there? That's a possibility too. And just for fun, you know, I mean, there are, there are great people out in the lobby, probably even right now. You know, I think they're great, you know. I mean, I go to every service here, right? So you might see me in the lobby after I've already, like, heard the sermon once or whatever, right? But, um, but there are always, like, distractions that are even good things going on. In Psalm 103, King David used his will, and he talks to himself. I love this. He tells his soul to worship God. Psalm 103, uh, in the ESV version, I like how they phrase it here, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Some days we're coming into Sunday with a life full of awesome. We're excited. We're in a good mood. We're rested. It's easier to worship God probably in those situations, isn't it? And then in a lot of Sundays... We're less than optimal. It's true for you. It's true for me. This is the time probably when you have the opportunity to use a little will, like David did. Tell your soul to worship God, ask for God's help, and then just go for it. We don't expect that every single week is going to be the most pinnacle worship experience you've ever had. That's like impossible, right? But over time, exerting your will, over and over and over again. I think it shapes us. So worship takes a little work, a little will, and last, worship takes a little wonder. In order for us to have wonder, there has to be something wonderful, right? The good news is that God is the one who is most wonderful and most wonderful to us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I love that verse. So as I mentioned, when I first came into the vineyard, what I noticed was the expectation people had as they came together, right? They fully expected God to show up. It was almost like said out loud or in their hearts was like, God's presence is going to be here. God's presence is going to meet us. I wonder what God is going to do today. It makes a huge difference when we add wonder to our worship together because it just creates an awareness or an openness to God. Do you, you know, do you, are, when, when you uh, are paying attention and looking for something, are you more likely to find it? Right, you know? 
I mean, I think God's here a lot of the time, and sometimes I probably miss what God's doing, right? My hope is that having something like wonder would help us miss things less. Jeremiah 29 has this awesome promise. Uh, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. And he's actually speaking this to his people as they're being sent into exile. It's in a bad, bad moment for them. He says, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then he ends by saying, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He promises that you'll find him if you look for him. So, if you arrive wondering, I wonder what I'm going to find in God today. I think that could help. And then also, in Ephesians 2.10, we're told that we are God's masterpiece and he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. This is the other way you can add some wonder into your morning as you arrive. There are good things that God has planned for you to do, and maybe God has some good things for you to do today for somebody else, you know? Maybe there's an encouragement that you can offer to somebody else, right? Um, maybe even your act of giving yourself to God gives somebody else a picture of what might be possible for them the way that it did for me earlier in my life. Friends, we are always worshiping. The big question of life is who and what will worship. And so our goal as followers, as disciples of Jesus, is to direct our worship toward God in as many ways as we can, and give it to God repeatedly. Worship is giving back to God. And there's a war going on right now for my worship and yours, and I am so grateful that Jesus has done the work that he's done to make it possible to be a worshiper, that I get to do the little things, that you and I get to do the little things. And I do really hope, however I go out at the end of this life, I hope to go out worshiping like my dad did. I want to be a worshiper my whole life. And my greatest desire for you is that you would go out worshiping like my dad in whatever way that looks like for you. The way we get there is becoming lifelong worshipers so that it's just automatic. So whether I have a lot to give on a particular Sunday or a little to give, whether my life is full of awesome or full of challenge, I just want I, me, and you to bring all that we have, whatever it is, and give it to God. That's the kind of worship that is pleasing and acceptable to him. Because as you do that, as you give everything you can to God, that's when God's promise kicks in. He says that he's got a life that's good and pleasing and a perfect fit for you. That's what I want for all of us. So now I'm going to invite you to stand as you're able. And I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we also have prayer team people, at least I hope, in the, in the room. And we're going to have an opportunity to bring our uh, needs to God in prayer as we sing to God together. And so prayer folks, can you come forward? That's awesome. Thank you. These people are uh, trained. They are confidential. They're glad to pray for healing, for blessing, for any provision that you need in your life. And then I have some tips to take this kind of stuff into your life. The read for this week would be reading Romans 12.1. That's just the passage about um, giving your whole self to God and it being a living sacrifice that's pleasing to him, okay? 
And this is the moment where if you have never ever, like even if you've been following Jesus for quite a while, if you have never had that moment where you go, Jesus, I want to give my whole self to you because I want the life that's, that's good and pleasing and perfect fit for me. Um, if you have never done that, today is your day to do that. God welcomes you with open arms. Can I just pray and make a space for that? Um, you know, God, whether this is the first time or the umpteenth time, uh, we present ourselves to you. Thank you that you accept us as a pleasing sacrifice and that you want us to live, that we're a living sacrifice. We're, being, we're, we're coming to you so that we can actually find life, uh, the kind that is good and perfect perfect for us and pleasing. And so we might not know everything and we don't know what's ahead, God, but Jesus, I ask that you would reveal yourselves to us again today and that you uh, would help us to follow you into what you have for us. Amen. Especially if you prayed that for the first time, let somebody know or put that on your connection card so we can support you in that. Your pray for this week is to thank Jesus for doing the big work, the big things the big part of the funnel, right? Um, and then to help you do the little things to grow, becoming a lifelong worshiper. And then your do would be come to church in person every single week you're able. Have you noticed that the room's getting more full lately? It's awesome. I love it. I think it's the work of the Lord. So come to church in person every week you're able. With God's help, include a little work, will, and wonder into your worship, okay? God, thank you that you have good plans for us as a people and as individuals. And I ask that we would have um, whatever is good and helpful from this morning, that it, would, that it would come into our hearts, that it would reside there, and that it would be part of you leading us into the good things that you have for us. Thank you for your love for us. You are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Friends, we're going to worship for a couple songs. Rena's going to let us know when it's time to go. And uh, I'll be happy to see you on the, on the way out. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We're going to echo that psalm that Justin was talking about.